0: Hey, welcome to the Project Church Podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Let's celebrate stories like this is what it's all about. Man, I'm just thankful for what God's doing. They're going to keep going. That's good. I love you, man. (laughs) Can we stand to our feet? I did this last week. Let's stand in honor of the reading of God's word. I wanna read from Acts chapter two. I'm gonna read verse 42 through 47. And as we are continuing this Rising Church series, man, I just felt stirred in my spirit this week, this idea of unity. And I think that right now Looking around in America, we feel more divided than ever before. Right now, looking around the church as a whole, we feel more divided than ever before. You know, God started his church. Jesus began his church. And we see it in Acts chapter 1 and 2. And it took 300 years until there became two factions. So there was one church for 300 years, one denomination for 300 years. And then after 300 years, there was a split and it was needed with the Reformation and us getting away from tradition and back to the word. But then in the last 1700 years, we've now become thousands of factions and denominations. And Christianity is the most divided religion in the world. And some of it's okay, but a lot of it, I think, breaks the heart of God. And so today I really felt like the Lord was giving us a word that we would be a church committed to unity above all else. And it has to start here. Like we need to be united with other churches, but it has to start with unity in this house. Because I believe the rising church is a unified church. And so let's read about the early church Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe, everybody say awe, came upon every soul. This was a move of God. And I believe we've made church and Christianity so complicated. And this series about the rising church was about us getting back to the basics. Getting back to the practices of the early church. And one of them was they were unified. It said that all came upon All the people, now I think sometimes we read that and we think, oh, awe came upon all the people because of all the miracles and miraculous signs, the signs and wonders that were done. And that was part of it. But I believe that the awe, which is an amazement of wonder that came upon them, that came upon all people was because there was something they'd never seen before. It was a unity. It says they ate together. They shared all as any had need. They had all things together in common. There was a unity. And when there is unity in this world, in a world of division, let me tell you, people will stand back in awe. And so today, I want to teach you and, and, and bring to you a word entitled the audacity of unity. And I know I spelled audacity wrong. You're not tripping. Because it's the awe of unity that we need. But how many know unity takes great faith? And so today we're going to be audacious in our faith. We're going to be audacious as a church, and we're going to proclaim the audacity of unity will be present in this house, in this rising church. So as you're seated this morning by faith, turn to your neighbor and tell him, let's get audacious in this place, tell them, let's get audacious. In this place, man, give it up for our guest worship leaders today. That was amazing having Shane and Dimitri here. I go way back with all these guys. You know, me and Dimitri went to high school together. Uh, you saw Tori up here and her sister, Brooke. Tori actually was a part of starting this church with us. She sung at the first preview service of Project Church, was with us for four years, so it was great to have her back as well. Um, man, I'm just thankful for all of you being here today. We are jumping in and continuing in week two of this Rising Church series, The Audacity of Unity. Listen, we are currently the most divided religion in the world. And the tension that I think I felt leading up to this day, and I wanted you to feel, was just how divided we are as a religion in terms of Christianity. I don't know we say, hey, it's about a relationship, it's about Jesus, but at the end of the day, we're a part of this identity of Christianity. And unfortunately, the division as a whole in the church has seeped its way into the local church. And how many know, even in a church that feels healthy and things seem to be going well, there still are opportunities for the enemy to bring division into the house. But I really was moved and challenged this week as I read this text and prepared for you this morning that God would challenge us and call us to be committed, to be audacious enough to believe for a unified church. It doesn't mean that we're we're without challenges that things don't get hard and crunchy at times, but it means we fight for unity above all else. I think that we have seen our primary job as Christians being to critique other believers rather than to love them. May we be moved today to love our brothers and sisters more than we critique them. So this morning, I cannot talk you into unity. I can't. I cannot preach you out of division, but what I can do is present the word of God to you today and prayerfully believe that with an open heart, we would allow God to remove the divisiveness from our spirits. And so today I want you to just open yourself up for a moment and say, God, what is it in me that you need to get out what is it in me that you need to change? Because we're in here, and I think some of us going, "No, I'm unified. I mean, I, I love all people," and yet there's little seeds and spirits of division and dissent that will stir up within our hearts. The rising church must be a unified church. You see, unity comes at a cost. It demands the spirit, but it commands a blessing. I want you to receive this today. It it will come at a cost. It demands the spirit of God, which we're believing for in this place. I mean, we're in Acts chapter 2 of all places. Come on. But it commands a blessing. I think sometimes we forget about the blessing of unity, about the peace and the joy that accompanies it, the audacity of unity. You see this idea of awe, a wonder of amazement. I was thinking about it as I was preparing today, and I thought about Michael Scott the great theologian who once said, would I rather be feared or loved? Easy, both. I want them to be afraid of how much they love me. You see, this word of awe, a wonder of amazement, is actually the Greek word phobos, which is where we get our word of phobias. So attached to this word of awe, wonder of amazement, is this idea of fear or panic. And I think sometimes we forget about what it means to be in awe of God. You see, it's not just the wonder of amazement, but when you encounter the presence and the person and the power of Jesus Christ, let me tell you, there is a holy fear that comes upon you, a respect, a honor. And so when I speak of the audacity of unity, I want to challenge us that we would be so stirred in our hearts and our spirits and say, not only would there be be an amazement to the world if there is a unified church, but there is such an impressive impression on our hearts for unity. Such a passion for unity. We are so fearful of the God that made us and created us and gives us life and breath. And is the only reason we have our being that we say, how could we not fight for unity, God? Because you want a unified church. You see, a church that welcomes the power of God and walks in the awe of God will live unified before God. We need the power of God. We need to walk in awe of God. And we need to live unified before God. So I want to share real quick with you today what it takes to be a unified church. Because it takes something of you. This isn't something that just happens by accident. It doesn't just default to unity. No, it takes the church fighting for it and being intentional with it. And so first it takes understanding our image. The imago Dei, the image of God. Genesis 126, let me take you to the beginning. It says, let us make man in our image and likeness. Now, I don't know if you caught that, but it said us make man in our image. What does this imply? This implies that the three in one were present at the beginning of time. When God knit together the universe and the stars and the moon and the skies and the planets and he breathed life into man, he said, let us make man in our image. Implying that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were all present. God set the example of unity for us by exemplifying it through the Trinity, and in turn, we must follow the example of God by fighting for unity in our own church. You see, uh, this last week or two weeks ago, Canaan had a golf tournament and he hadn't played in over a year in the tournament and uh, he was nervous and he tried to break 40. Multiple times, had never been able to do it. That was his goal. So we went out. He hadn't played in over a year. He wanted to break 40. Now, at his age, they were playing every hole from 100 yards. So just keep that in mind. And we go out, and after the first hole, he got a six. I wrote a six down on the scorecard. And he was defeated. After one hole, he started saying this about himself Dad, I'm terrible. I'm the worst. I'm horrible. Dad, I'm never going to do it. I can't do it. I'm an awful golfer, and he's, he's making all these declarations, negative declarations about himself, and I'm the caddy daddy. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm out there, and my primary job is encouragement. Like, to keep him mentally focused. Golf is a mental game. And so I begin to speak other things over him Said, no, bro, you're the man. Bro, you got skills. Like, it was one hole. One hole does not define the type of golfer you are. So I started to speak this over him. No, you got this, bro. Don't quit. It's one hole. You can still do it. Dad, I'm never going to break 40. Yes, you can. The next hole, he gets a five. The next hole, he gets a four. I'm still declaring it over. The next hole, he gets a three. Then another three. Then a four. Then another three. And finishes his round with a two and shoots a 34 and wins first place in the tournament. I wanted you to hear this not so I could be a proud caddy daddy or brag a little bit about my son. I wanted to tell you this because we need a church that builds itself up, doesn't tear itself down. And I look at the church and I see a lot of people who've forgotten that they were made in the image of God. And they're speaking about themselves. They're they're declaring things over themselves that are not from God or of God. And they're speaking words of death when God is saying, no, I've given you life. Not only that. But if we don't understand our own image, how can we understand the image of the people around us? If we don't understand that our God created us three in one that set the example for us of unity, and yet we don't fight for unity, then we speak words of death rather than words of life over our brothers and sisters. And God wants us to build your church. He wants us to build each other up. The church, unfortunately, is known for Kicking its wounded while they're down instead of being there to give them a hand up. How I many know oh, we're divided right now in this country, in this world? We're divided over COVID, vaccines, we're divided over politics and perspectives, we're divided over so many things. And I felt like I had a word for you all this morning and it's this kill that noise come on church kill that no i'm gonna say it for the people in the back kill that noise why why am i saying this because we have forgotten that we are all image bearers we have forgotten that we must understand and, and remember the image of god that we were made in that we proclaim and we carry his his fingerprints upon us. And God doesn't want us divided any longer. He wants us unified. And I know there's a lot to divide us, but church, we must fight for unity. Inside this house, first and foremost, it starts here. And then it goes out to there. And let me tell you, you will not see everything the same. I mean, look around the room. I see all... Ages and races. Backgrounds and perspectives. I see people from different experiences than me. I look at my wife and she doesn't look like me. She wasn't raised like me. We have much that would divide us. And yet, I see the image of God upon her. And we're one because of our Savior. And tomorrow we hit... 13 years of marriage. Come on, somebody. She thought I forgot. She's like, what, tomorrow? Yeah. We better go get something for each other. If we're going to be a unified church, we must understand our image. We also must live a life of the spirit. Everybody say spirit. John 17, 20 through 23, watch this. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be, that they may all be, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be, even as we are, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. I heard a lot of ones there. Not only that, but but watch this. Jesus makes a declaration here that was controversial, that in this day actually made people leave him. Because, you know, Jesus had thousands of followers at times, and then he'd say stuff, and then it would be like, what? This man is crazy. We're out. He's like, you ought to eat my body, and drink my blood. They're like, peace. This man is tripping. He declared this. What did he say? He says, I and the Father are one. And they're like, who does he think he is? But he is declaring to us something that I want you to repeat after me. Here's what I want you to say. I am currently in Jesus. The Spirit is in me. And the Father and Son make their home in me. Again, I am currently in Jesus. The Spirit is in me. And the Father and Son make their home in me. This is what Jesus says. This is radical. Not only is it radical, but he says, and this is how you will become perfectly one. Not perfectly one just with me, but perfectly one with each other. How? Because the Spirit of God the Son of God, and God the Father all dwell within us. And so we are one through the Trinity under his name. The Spirit leads to awe. And awe leads to empowerment. Empowerment brings unity because unity puts us on mission. And so listen, the church, when we are unified under Jesus, with the Spirit of God in us, knowing that the Father God has saved us through his Son, when we are one in that, perfectly one with him, we now are on a mission that brings us together in a different kind of way. The problem is we've forgotten about our mission. And we think our mission is to convince people of a perspective that is of this world. And so more of our stories represent our perspectives of this world. More of our posts represent the perspectives of this world. than they do the mission that God has primarily called you to, which is to give him glory in all things you do. We've forgotten what it means. He called us. He said, just live a quiet life. Be at peace with everyone as long, as far as it depends on you. But we want to breed chaos and drama. Why? Because we love drama. I know y'all, you love drama. Listen, we don't need a church that has all the answers in its head. We need a church that allows the answers to change its heart. And I look around, I see a, a church, the church, the church as a whole. We got a lot of answers up here. We know the word. We know the truth. We got the answers, but sometimes we're so up here and knowledge puffs up and we start to walk in the pride of that. And before you know it, we have not allowed it to change our hearts. Because when it changed our hearts, we go from just trying to prove other people wrong to love other people into what is right. The power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the point of the Holy Spirit ministry is never the miracle. The point of the Holy Spirit ministry is the message sometimes we get caught up in the, in, in the miracles, in the gifts. Now listen, the Bible talks about there are nine gifts of the Spirit that should be and can be in operation in your lives at all times. You have access to the gifts of the Spirit. Did you know that? When you live a life of the Spirit, you have access to the person of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, and we need to walk in those gifts. Man, I speak in tongues every day. I was up here worshiping, walking in that prayer language. I love that. I walk in faith. That's a gift of the Spirit. I've walked in a belief for miracles. That's a gift of the Spirit. There are so many gifts, and yet so often the church gets obsessed with the gifts, and then we forget about the message. You see, the gifts should point people to the message, and the message is that Jesus came to seek and to save all those who are lost. When the Spirit of God empowers us and all comes upon us, everything we do, every gift that we walk in points people back to the truth that Jesus loves them, that he died for them. And that we in turn are to point them to him. We see this world as our enemy. The world is not our enemy. The world are people that God wants us to be desperate to lead back to him. When all comes back to the church, I believe that power will flow out through the church. You see, all will lead to empowerment. But the spirit is the only possibility for true humility. You hear me? The Spirit of God in us is the only possibility for true humility, which is the third thing that it takes to be a unified church. It's true humility. While the Spirit is the only possibility for true humility, humility is the only possibility for true unity. I don't know if you caught it. While the Spirit is the only possibility for true humility, true humility is the only possibility for true unity. We need to be a humble people. You see, humble people hate division. Humble people want to be one with those around them. Humble people want to live at peace with everyone as far as it depends on them. But I said it at the beginning that unity and the audacity of unity will cost you something. You know what it will cost you? It will cost you your pride. Some of you are like, I'm not prideful. Let me tell you. Yes, you are. Because you're just like me. And I want to tell you, I'm prideful. I battle my pride and my flesh every day. And today, God was stern in my heart to challenge you and me we would say, God, if it costs me my, my pride, I'm willing to lay that down at the foot of the cross because I want unity more than I want to walk in what I think is right. I want unity more than I want to walk in my flesh and my pride. I want unity more than I want to be elevated myself. And so, God, I choose humility. Can I confess to you my sin, church? I've judged other Christians. And I've judged other churches. Now, you know what's interesting about me? I don't know why, but I've always had more of an evangelistic heart. I think God just made me that way. So when it comes to people that are far from God and, like, people that are caught up in sin, I actually have a lot of grace for those people. Like, the grace that God wants us to have, God has always stirred in my heart to have for those that are far from him. And so those aren't the people I judge, I judge the Christians who don't have the theological perspectives that I think they should have. I judge the churches that missiology is not what I think the missiology should look like. I judge the churches that do things different than I believe the word of God is calling us to do them. And I wanted to confess my sin today because I believe that it's my pride. There's a local church pastor who's been pretty vocal. He's gotten a platform in this COVID season, and he's been very vocal against other pastors and churches. And I got to be honest with you. I was angry at him. I had hate in my heart. I judged him and his church. And this week, as I prepared this message, God said, Caleb, you've done nothing but judge and hate and get angry and talk about. And I want you to pray for him. I want you to text him today and tell him you're praying for him and you love him. I said, God, I don't love him. He said, humble yourself and carry the love of Christ that you were meant to have. Because maybe, maybe he needs to hear that you love him. And so this week I text him and I know him. But I haven't talked to him. I didn't want to talk to him. But I text him. I say, I want you to know I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm believing that God has greater things in store for his church, your church, my church. Because there's a rising church. We have to fight for unity. And let me tell you, unity comes at a cost and it's often our pride. And so today, may we humble ourselves and finally it takes a disdain for division. Oh, disdain is such a good word, isn't it? Disdain. An intense hatred. I'm going to jump to Ephesians four twenty-nine through 31. I want you to really pay attention to this. Let this soak into your spirit. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. I don't like this as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is only grieved by one thing? It's disunity. This is what it says here. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is grieved by division and disunity. And today I felt intensely inclined to challenge us as a church that we would once again choose to speak words of life, not death. That we would once again choose to be unified, not divided. That we would hate what God hates. Why should we hate it? Why should we hate disunity? Because God hates it. Why else should we hate disunity? Because the world is confused by it. Why else should we hate disunity? Because it may be evidence that the Holy Spirit is not in us at all. And this is going to make somebody uncomfortable in this place but listen you could have all the gifts in operation but if you're not in unity with one another is the spirit really working in your heart is the spirit really active and moving through you you see we've elevated the the gifts over the giver the methods over the message i want to close with this church hear me There is no plan B. Let me say it again. There is no plan B. Jesus said, we must be perfectly one. You and I, perfectly one with one another, no matter how hard or illogical or uncomfortable it gets. We cannot quit pursuing this idea of unity. The gospel message is incomplete without the picture of the unified church. There is no plan B. He said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Listen to me, church. There is no plan B. This is it. The church is plan A, B, C, D, E, and as such, we must fight for unity. It's going to cost us something. It's going to be hard. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be crunchy. You're going to have hard conversations. But I want to tell you, there's no plan B. There's no plan B. And so I said it at the beginning. I said to you, this idea that a That we, as the church, must fight for unity because it comes at a cost. It demands the spirit, but it commands a blessing. Listen, there is a blessing that will flow through a rising church that is a unified church. There is a blessing that I believe is coming to Project Church because we say we will be united above all else. We will be united in the midst of division. We will be united in a culture that fights and divides and has different perspectives. We will be united. I believe there is a blessing of the power of God coming. It is a movement and a move of God that will follow it. But what do we got to do? Where do we go from here? Some of you are saying, what, what do I do from here, Caleb? Let me tell you where it starts. Revivals start with this. Unity starts with this. It all starts with repentance. It all starts with repentance. And so today, church, I stand before you and I repent of my heart of division. I repent of my attitude of pride. I repent of the words I've spoken that have torn others down rather than build others up. Today, I stand before you broken, impure, messed up, and I repent And I ask that you would repent too. Because if it starts with repentance, there is a unity that will come. When we repent, unity comes. When we repent, I believe revival comes. When we repent, I believe a move of God comes. And so may repentance be the posture of the hearts of this house. May repentance be the posture of the heart of the rising church. I'm repping today. May we repent, church. Would you bow your heads with me across this place? I know that in a room this large, there's someone that's been running from God. They've turned their back on God. They've had no relationship with God. Maybe you got invited in here today. You got drug in here today. You came in here today by accident. Today, I want to ask you, if you need to repent of your sin and come back in a right relationship with Jesus, I want you to respond right now. He came for you. He died for you. He loves you. You're the one sheep that's gone astray, and he's left the 99 for you. So if that's you, I want you to lift your hand right now. One, two, three, go. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, church. Yes, yes. Give God some praise in this place for all these hands that have gone up in response to the invitation. Second today. You're in this room, and you say, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's looking around. You say, Caleb, I got to be honest. I need to repent of of the hate in my heart, the division in my heart. I need to repent of the disunity and disconnection that I have breeded around me. Today, I want to repent with you, Kayla. I want to repent of disunity. I want to have the audacity of unity today in this place. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand right now. Go ahead. Put your hand up. Any divisiveness that's been in your heart, yes, hands going up all around the room. You can put them down. Can we stand to our feet church across this place and i want you all as an act of faith to repeat this prayer after me say this with me say jesus today i confess my sin i repent of my mistakes of my heart of my pride of my past of my present and of my future i ask you to fill me up with your spirit with your presence with your holiness Jesus, I need you to change me. I can't do it on my own, but in your strength, I know that all things are possible. So God, revive something in me. May I be audacious and believe for unity with you first, with my brothers and sisters second, and with the church as a whole third. I love you, Jesus. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Come on, church. Give God some praise. Our prayer team is making their way forward. Let's lift our voices in song right now and let this be the thing that solidifies the decisions we made and what God has spoken to us in this place. Come on. Worship with us today in this place. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the Waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.